recording on my end. Yeah, and I just and hit record on mine. Here, I'll go ahead and clap. There you go. <laughs> I used to do that all the time back in the old day. Excellent. Um, give me a sec. I'm just going to clap on mine as well. Actually, no, that doesn't make a difference because I'm going to be syncing it up. <laughs> Actually, can I get you to do one more clap? I'll say, um, sorry. Yeah, sure. A, bit, a mental moment. So, oh, Cleo. Perfect. Thank you. That way I can make sure I sync it up like as perfectly as possible. Right. Cool. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Nerdy People Read. Um, uh, today, my guest or friend person I'm talking with, um, <laughs> everyone, please forgive me. It's quarter past five in the morning and uh, I'm not yet <laughs> caffeinated. So I'm running on adrenaline and a little bit of sleep. Um, but the person I'm recording with today is Cleo. Um, Cleo, can you tell us about yourself in a couple of sentences? Uh Sure. So I am a longtime nerd and a voracious reader, although it's suffered a lot since I have two kids. I have a two and a half year old and a nine month old who don't ever let me sleep. Um, I have various online presences. My main focus so far has been uh, the last past decade has been Topless Topics, which is a feminist slash political slash parenting slash gaming slash everything else uh, video series. Um, I've also done a lot of gaming stuff. I haven't done so much book stuff, but I, like I said, I love reading. So I was excited to be invited onto your podcast. Thank you. Um, but I'm, I'm very happy to have you. And thank you very much for making time. I'm in the same boat. I've got two children. They're a little bit older, but I can remember when actually my three-year-old continuously reminds me what it's like to have a three-year-old in the house. So, <laughs> yeah. My, I should say he's actually closer to three than two now. And it's just, it's amazing how they, they can tell when you have something important in the morning. So they're like, I'm going to be especially difficult tonight. Yeah. I think in <laughs> one of our Twitter things, one of the, oh gosh, what exactly was it I said? They don't hate us. They can simply sense when we are weak slash looking forward to something slash awake slash doing something or thinking about what might make us happy. And let's be honest, they don't like that. Yeah. But reality is you just have to do the best you can and, you know, try to be a creative person around the difficult parts. So let's get into it because I don't know how long until he burst into my room speaking of kids. That's fair enough. Um, so the book we're talking about today is um, Ogre Ogre uh, by Piers Anthony. This is a book you recommended to me. Um, I had read some Piers Anthony previously. Um, I read, I think it was The Man from Mundania, um, which is fairly further, which is fairly, which is fairly into the Mundania series by. Mm-hmm. Goodness gracious. By Piers Anthony, um, <laughs> and I've read a couple of the books in the Incarnations of the Immortals. Um, yeah, I like that series a lot better. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned that I, you say I recommended it. It wasn't so much that I was like, "This is a great book." It's just when we were talking about the podcast, I was and we were trying to figure out what book to read, and I was thinking, well. You know, I, I would be interested to revisit the series because I read it initially when I was a young teen. And now, you know, with the Me Too uh, movement and with, you know, my own kids or whatever, I'm a lot more cognizant of certain narrative devices and everything that back then I was a lot more innocent 
about. So I thought it would be interesting to talk about. I don't want people to be like, oh my God, she thinks this is like the best book ever. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I think we'd be able to very quickly dispel that illusion. Um, <laughs> because I, 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 you know, with, with this podcast, we do have a series of questions about the books. And funnily enough, question four is actually the book, is actually the question I actually ask first all the time, anyways, um, or intend to ask all the time, anyways. Um, so, without getting okay, and and to kind of let people, this is the pre-spoilers chat. Would we <laughs> recommend this book to people? Why or why not? I uh, think as oh sorry, no, <laughs> did no, you no, want to go you. first? I was going to say please. Oh, okay. like <laughs> I, I talk a lot, so feel free to tell me to be quiet if you want to cut in there. Um, I would recommend it only so far as, like I said, it's interesting to revisit it through a modern lens and kind of identify stuff that kind of went without questioning back when this was written. Like this book, I think, was published in 82, which is, you know, a couple years before I was even born. And there's parts of it, there's a lot in it, and I'm sure we'll get into it um, further in here. But there's a lot that you can tell at the time was just sort of fine it was innocent it was you know it wasn't a big deal but you look at it now and you're just like that's that's pretty problematic um and so you know i'm trying not to reveal too much but like especially the treatment of the main male character versus all these it even says females it doesn't say female character. it's like the females were silly the females were this or that and i'm just like oh god like <laughs> and it's funny because just as a really quick aside there's a show i really like called crazy ex-girlfriend and the main character is obsessed with classic plays and in the episode that just aired they have her revisiting these songs that she's grown up with as a kid and she's seeing them through a modern lens and she's just going wow like i didn't really realize how problematic these were until i revisited it so i'm experiencing a lot of the same emotions now rereading this book so <laughs> no 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 i i can understand that um yeah i i read i got through it and i i was thinking you know i remember reading you got through it that's a good way of putting it <laughs> yeah yeah um okay i i i am a self-described very very fast reader i can read stupidly quickly if i'm enjoying <laughs> it this yeah. was somewhat of a struggle because yeah like i was thinking like when you recommended it, i thought yeah peace anthony i remember he was kind of amusing yeah. um <laughs> i don't know if i would recommend this book i might recommend yeah his incarnations of immortals. Yeah, for sure. That one I think is a lot more interesting. Yeah. And that was another thing. Sorry. I was just, I'm kind of waking up myself too, is if you take, a, you know, aside from the interesting, it's interesting to look at it through a me too lens, just as a, as a literary book, it's not very good. It's have, <laughs> like, have... it's very meandering. The the plot is just sort of, and then this happened and then this happened. And then <laughs> I, I think the other thing from, from my end, like it, it is a terrible thing for me to admit, but I was <laughs> as offended by some of the content as well as how it was written. Um, and part of me is not sure, sure which I'm angry at. And that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's not a good, that doesn't paint me in a good light, but you know, I, I have to be an honest man, and, and, and uh, I don't think it's sins. I don't think it's problematic. I mean, I don't think it's it's bad for you to say that. I mean, I recently tried to read Ready Player One, for instance, and I I gave up. The writing was just awful. I I'm sorry if I make people angry saying that, but that book is terrible. It is terrible. <laughs> um, it, it's it's not a great it's it's not a great book. Now, yeah. um, given that we've just told people to not read this book. <laughs> 
incarnations of immortals. Like it's been a. I didn't know the books were that old. Um, thank you. And this <laughs> get them. Yeah. Well, mentioning um, the age, I actually just recently looked up Piers Anthony. He's still writing Xanth books. He just released a new one last year, so I thought that was interesting. But okay. sorry, just wanted to throw okay. that in. Look, um, I was going to say we we wouldn't necessarily recommend this book. Part of me is like, look. If you want to read some good comic fantasy, up until a few years ago, there was a guy called Terry Pratchett. Oh, yeah. I love him. And, and he, or, or um, Tom Holt. I remember he was pretty good. I didn't read all of his work. I read a few of his books. But they were, they were good. Yeah. Um, now, and I, I would okay, say Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman, too, have a lot of good... I mean, the, it, the it's hit or miss. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. The Dragonlance books and yeah. some of their non-Dragonlance books. Okay, but. so mo- moving on to potential areas where we have spoilers. Um, so if, if you want to go read this book, I'd say, look, go read Color of Magic instead. It's, it's about yeah. the same age and it's much better. Yeah. Although, look, if you're going to read Pratchett, there's so many other areas where you should start. You know, mm-hmm. start with Vimes. Read all that, it's great. Then read The Death, that's all great. Read Granite <laughs> Weatherwax, that's all good. The later Rincewind stuff is pretty good too. Yeah, and one thing about Terry Pratchett uh, writing, and I mean, it's been a while since I read it, but he has puns and stuff like that a lot in his books too. But I feel like the way he does it, it actually is funny. It's not just like, like the Xanth books just try so hard to turn literally everything into a pun. And a lot of times it's just like, okay. <laughs> Why is, did you do that? <laughs> this is okay. Like there was one pun in there that actually made me go, "Hey, that was good." Um, yeah, which was the catastrophe pun. Yeah, that was I mean, actually good, yeah. and I thought, "Okay, all right, Piers." Like that was that was well set up. Um, but he had that, and I'm not trying to be offensive, but I'm potentially going to offend maybe one or two people. <laughs> that American. I don't have a functioning sense of humor, sense of humor, whereby the idea is, look, man, the way a joke works is you have the setup to lull, to lull me into that false sense of security. Mm-hmm. Then you have the pitch. So the joke is on the way. So it's different to the windup because I've been put into a certain mood and then you've got all the words leading up to the joke and then the punchline. So the joke hits. I have a moment to react, and then we move on to the next joke. You can call back if you like, that's okay. But the problem with him is he seems just to say, not... Punchline, 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 punchline. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, look, dude, you need the build-up for the punchline. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and... you know, just briefly, you know, I was mentioning Ready Player One. One of the problems I have with that book and how it relates to this one is the references, you know, the 80s references... There's no reason behind a lot of them. It's just like, hey, a reference, hey, a reference, hey, a reference. And Ogre Ogre is the same way where it's like, hey, a pun, hey, a pun, hey, a pun. It's like, why? It doesn't add to the book at all, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, um, and I think the other problem is, and, and this is kind of moving into, straight into question number three, what makes this book problematic? Mm-hmm. My friend, if you are going to start a book where the main woman character... I was going to say female character to kind of honor his um, writing style. <laughs> well, um, see, female characters 
I, I mean, that's something that a lot of people have a lot of heated opinions. I think female as a descriptor is fine, like female character, female, whatever. But when you're referring to it as a noun, like the females, then it's like, whoa, that's kind of weird. <laughs> uh, and one part, okay, on one side, there is a justification in that they are different races, therefore saying female. Right. You might, you could, you could, you could cut an argument there, I think, to say, wait a second, they're all females because technically, you know, X, Y, Z. Fair enough. Well, actually, no, not X, Y, it'd just be X, X. Um, <laughs> well, even that. <laughs> see, see, Piers, that's how you know a joke. There's the yeah. wind up, there's the pitch, and there's the punchline. And then you move on. It's great. Um, when a book... I like how we're giving this this seven year old man who's been writing since he was like a kid <laughs> tips on how to write. You're but you know, just because you've been doing it for a long time doesn't mean you're the best at it. Well, my ass has been my ass for some time, Cleo, but I don't have to listen to it. <laughs> There's a Terry Pratchett joke, kids. It's a, it was a good one. Um, <laughs> any book that opens up with a, a lead female character saying, hey, I think a demon's going to try and rape me. In fact, yes. he oh has my God. outright said, Page three. Page three. I I dog-eared that page right away because I was like, holy cow. <laughs> so let's get that out of the way. The fact uh, that her mother gaslights her. Mm-hmm. Now, given – I think you said this book was written in 1982? Yep. Okay. Well, that's when it was published according to the inside. Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, in some ways of looking at it, that's really antiquated. In other ways of looking at it, wow, that's modern. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, that is me being somewhat... It's timeless, I guess you could say. (laughs) Problem that hasn't gone away by any means. And then you try and change the tone of the book... Yes. ...by having silly, childlike puns throughout the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Piers, I'm going to live with you, man. And and I use these words to describe this book to my wife, and she said, all right, I understand now. You see, Piers, I like fried chicken. (laughs) And I like chocolate ice cream. I cannot enjoy the two at the same time, though. <laughs> if you're going to give me fried chicken... Clearly you're so not American. We date... No, no. Okay. <laughs> we chocolate. Put everything in chocolate. Actually, yeah. I, I've said that to an American. <laughs> I realize, look, there's probably some lunatic out there who's, who's making money off of doing that. Let me rephrase. I like, I like fried tuna. Ugh. Okay. Sorry, fried salmon. Rather, fried salmon. Okay. And I like peanut butter. Mm-hmm. I have had one directly after the other, and it almost made me hurl. Oh, yeah. Or like when you you think you're drinking soda and it's tea or something. It's not that you dislike tea. It's just like, whoa, what is this? Yeah. And that, honestly, that's probably the biggest problemat- you know, problematic part of this book. Like you were saying, you know, it's you start with something very serious. Literally, page three, she even straight up said, you know, she's worried about being raped. And then it's just like, oh, tra-la-la-la-la, puns, puns, they're going through the world, and, you know, oh, they have this adventure, and it's just like, wait, wait, what? Like, you start off with that, and I feel like that's a great indicator of basically how how non... I can't think of the word, but basically rape and stuff like that of women... Tone deaf, yeah. Like, uh, rape is just not a big deal to a lot of people. And it's not that, like, if if someone actually gets raped in front of them, they're going to be, like, fine with it. But, like, it's just not very serious. It's not a serious fear. You can tell that Piers has not lived his life, you know, in a constant state of wariness, whereas 
you know, I have, I, I, you know, like, it's just a reality. What is it? One in four women will be raped in their lifetime. So, you know, it's not a joking matter. And I mean, my, my opinions on this have evolved a lot. I mean, it depends a lot on who you hang with. And when I used to hang out with a lot of tone deaf guys, it was like, oh, ha ha rape. And now I look back at it and I'm like, whoa, no, that was not <laughs> something yeah, to joke I about. I, ever been, I don't think I've ever been ha ha rape. Um, yeah. Right. No, not not that everyone is, but just yeah, you know, yeah. you try I mean, to change who you are to match the people that you're hanging there, out there with. Is, so. There is one, there is one rape joke I've heard that was funny, and because it was a guy talking <laughs> to a guy, and it was a very end, like it's a relationship that they are some they 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 were hilariously abusive to each other a little bit. Um, <laughs> it was during a YouTube series called Let's Drown Out, featuring the British Yahtzee and the Australian Gabe. Oh, and I love Yahtzee. And the joke, and the joke was, um, Yahtzee saying to Gabe uh, in that wonderful British accent of his, "Hey Gabe, do you want to hear a rape joke?" And Gabe's like, "No," and he's like, "That's the spirit." I was like, "All right, okay, see that's oh, that's good. I like that a lot. I get it." Yeah, yeah. See, that's like all right. that's. I was like, like bracing okay. myself. I'm like a funny rape joke. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe not, yeah. I mean, maybe not funny. Maybe maybe clever. But it's one of those things where it, it, it plays with the word, not the theme, if you'll... Right. Yeah. Right. Um, there's another joke I wanted to make about margarine in there, but, you know, I couldn't figure it out. Because, <laughs> exactly, that's... Yeah. So I have a question for you as you were I'm reading this book. Yes. Um, so, you know, I mentioned at the beginning that, for me, it's kind of irritating that he's like so okay there's this thing called the okay there's two things i want to mention and then i'm gonna let you take over because i could talk about this forever there's two things about this book uh two tropes let's say that i am reminded of one of them is the 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 white savior male trope and then one is the male gaze and the white savior male one it's more it's not necessarily male or whatever but it's more about like the avatar movie kind of thing where there's like this you know, indigenous people. And then this white guy comes in and saves everybody. And it's sort of the same thing where it's like all in the book, there's all these female characters who have their various, you know, problems. And in literally trumps this male ogre, who's like, blah, 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 blah. And then he fixes all their problems. And it was like, there's this sort of like, they had to, they, they were waiting around until he showed up to help them with these problems, even though, Honestly, he wasn't really that important to them. Like, like they should have been able to figure that stuff out on their own. I'm making all these hand gestures, even though this is audio only. <laughs> and then the other, the other thing is uh, the male gaze, which um, has been talked a lot. Oh, my baby's screaming for some reason. Um, has been talked about a lot. For instance, with the Wonder Woman movie, one of the things that we really liked about it is that it was a woman director who didn't have all these like upskirt, you know, camera angles or whatever like that. And that's something that I've become really aware with in media in general, but especially in this book where you notice every time he introduces a female character, he talks about how attractive they are. Every single one. And it's like, and it's always like, you know, he introduces the siren pretty well and it's like, like, oh, she, you could tell she used to be a stunner. She's still really attractive. And then with Tandy the nymph, it's like, you know, she, she had a very adult, you know, she was no child. She had a very adult body with voluptuous curves and like even like the tiny little fairies and like ev literally every female character, it's like, oh, she was cute in a this way. She was beautiful in a that way. And like there might be some mention of the personality, but it's just like, 
that that you don't see that with the guy characters and the, the handful of male characters that are in this it's not like oh he was super ripped or you know oh he had a, he, this, he was chunky and not exactly yeah. attractive not really anyone's type and we understand why no one liked him yeah and it's that's the kind of thing that to this day still kind of goes unquestioned but the more aware you know the more discussion that happens about things like the male gaze or whatever the more at least for me the more unavoidable it is to realize stuff like that and it it makes it honestly it makes it hard for me to re to a lot of the classics it makes it harder for me to enjoy them because i'm just like whoa look at all this stuff i never noticed before <laughs> um with with regards to i mean with the siren i certainly noticed that um but part of me thought well that kind of makes sense for that character because thinking about what the sign was right. you know, in, in, in the original mythology, I read about it in, you know, um, the Odyssey. Well, in the original thing. mythology, it was a monster, a tentacle monster, but, <laughs> no, <laughs> but yeah, she people. Was a, she was a harpy, wasn't she? Um, no, I think it was a, well, I don't know. Now I'm misremembering, but I, my remember is that it's a, it's a monster that sounds like a woman. And if you hear her singing or they're singing, it drives men mad. That's why the whole Odysseus thing, he has him strapped to the mast and it drives him mad hearing it or whatever. I thought, yeah, I'm not actually sure where the whole idea of the siren being a woman. I don't know when that came into play, but that seems to be the going My earliest memories um, was that the siren was... I am really goofing this badly. My brain's <laughs> now confused. Thank you. Um, the siren was either like I'll some Google kind it. of like it, it always conflates with like the the mermaid, like you know mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But I also always remember them as harpies. No, no, it was all it was a it was always a nautical theme. Um, yeah. But that's I mean that's again that's sort of a an example of the male gaze where we have sirens and mermaids and you know sulkies and all these other things and it's it's always like you know half naked woman that's like come hither to men or whatever like that. Admittedly, and... there is a selkie in the second edition expanded monster manual for Dungeons and Dragons, um, and it's just like a, a seal person, and it's it's mm-hmm. like well yeah that makes sense. Um, okay, to, to kind of break it down though, I did notice that this does have a bit of the male savior thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't, and, and maybe this is me saying, look, content over anything else, but you know, missing out on another theme. I noticed it with the siren. I didn't notice it so much with the other characters when he was going on about these things. And this could be my brain protecting myself by skipping things <laughs> I didn't need. Yeah, like, honestly, oh, like sake, if you want, I could go is. in with a highlighter because it was. <laughs> I I just couldn't help noticing. I every, I would not day. have you waste your time. <laughs> um, and I mean, and I want to interject. You know, no, 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 I deal on, a lot with on. this with you know talking about feminist stuff. And a lot of guys, especially in nerdy ho- hobbies, and full disclosure, I'm a huge nerd. I love video games and comics and stuff like that. There, there seems to be this attitude of like, oh, she's just looking for stuff to be offended at. And I would, I would love if I could read these and not be like, whoa, like I don't enjoy having these feelings of, you know, what was this author? What is this author's attitude towards women? I don't enjoy that. I, I really wish that I did not you know, see stuff like that. But at the same time, I don't want to completely close myself off to noticing it because how are we going to make it better if we just keep pretending like it doesn't exist? 
And, you know, I, I think that we can, I was just going to say, I think that we should try to make it better because, you know, we can always change it for future generations where we don't have these unquestioned implicit, you know, problems. Hmm. So I was going to say, like coming back to Terry Pratchett and his early work, mm-hmm. um, I need to remember her name because I have forgotten her actual first name. <laughs> um, there we are. Okay, so in, in an early Terry Pratchett work, um, there is a, a woman character by the name of Herida the Henna-Haired Harridan. Okay. And Vaguely familiar. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long okay. time. <laughs> Look, he's going for the alliteration, you know, who doesn't right. love those? Um, and the description for her is she's too proud to be a seamstress, too intelligent to be a wife. Um, she, uh, sorry, I'm just getting the exact wiki quote in front of me. She took the only profession then available for a woman with spirit and no discernible magic talent. Now she is a barbarian hero (laughs) and she is a, you know, she, she's, she's not a fully realized female character. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm not, and I'm going to give Terry a little stick because there is one other female character in his early work that stands out, who is a, who is a, not very lewdly described woman, but the way the the descriptions used certainly paint us in an okay, you know, these people do not wear a lot of clothes. Okay, you know, hanging upside down does interesting things to the female's anatomy. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Terry, for that mental image. But when he writes this woman, it's like, she's a barbarian hero, but she's wearing sensible clothing. Well, that's good. <laughs> and, it's like and the actually fact a that that's where... a joke is kind of sad because it's so rare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's yeah. my phone asking if I'm awake. Actually, yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, well, there's um, the stereotype of the, the chainmail bikini. And, you know, luckily, like I'm saying, people are, are pointing it out and making fun of it now. But you still see it all the time. There'll be a brand new fantasy story, you know, comic or movie or, or game or whatever. And they'll still be wearing chainmail bikini. And it's like, oh, I guess she doesn't care about her internal organs. Yeah. Um, and one thing I wanted to mention before I forget again um, so speaking of writing from the male gaze or whatever, there was this Twitter hashtag that went viral, I want to say like a year ago, maybe not so long ago, where it was, you know, describe yourself as a male author would. And there's some hilarious and yet like infuriating <laughs> descriptions in there. And it's basically like, you know, uh, people describing women describing themselves like, oh, her voluptuous you know, buttum or whatever. She used to be so attractive, but I could tell she wasn't interested in me. So I didn't pay any attention to her or whatever like that. And I feel like it can be very elucidating for people who are new to the concept of the male gaze. Like it kind of highlights the obsession with describing hmm. her fuckability, basically. I, I think also <laughs> my, my, and it is okay to swear on this one. Um, things just should have said at the front. Um, I think my other problem is that I it's one of those areas where it's like, I can see why you did this as a joke, but honestly, you can do better, Piers. Um, the fact that Tandy's main ability is to throw a tantrum. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, dude, we've kind of... That, that it's, is very, it's very much... It's weird because she's like half playing her like a child and then half playing her like a sexy woman and it's like 
the, it, the, you know, the eroticism of infantile behavior, like you have a lot with the Japanese schoolgirl stereotype. And I feel like he's kind of going like that with Tandy, making her a sexy schoolgirl almost. And it's just like, ugh, it just feels gross. <laughs> mm. No, I, 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 I do know exactly what you mean there. And I think there's a lot of like, look, dude. <sighs> well, did you, did you know that Piers Anthony used to be a pornography writer? No, he actually he told me. Yeah, I I read his autobiography a long time ago, and I meant to you know skim through it, but I didn't get around to it yet. Parents, parenting, but he uh, he used to be a pornography writer, and then he started doing children's books, and so it makes me curious how much of his writing is just you know based on the time, based on attitudes toward female characters at the time, and how much is a unintentional. Uh, holdover from his pornographic writing because you know it's going to give him a different outlook especially in describing women than the average Mm. children author so i think so i mean (laughs) i and this is not to say that i i needed to see this it is in some ways that that's probably another tone thing or another thing thing that annoyed me because part of me is thinking look if you want to make this a shag fest (laughs) <laughs> Piers, no one can stop you. But don't market it as a kid's book. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I wouldn't give this to a young teen male, mm-hmm. except to say, read this and do better. Yeah. And you that know, unfortunately... I, I'm not giving you a very high bar to get on. <laughs> and unfortunately, that's something I remember in pretty much all his Xanth books, is this like weird coquettish behavior around sex where it's like they don't actually call it sex but there's like all this illusions of like like you know he describes briefly in ogre ogre he talks about the previous character princess irene who's a main character in an earlier book and how she she claims she didn't want people to see her naked but somehow always managed to reveal her nakedness and i i read that and i was just like oh no 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 this assumption that everything women do is because they want male attention, which, you know, like, oh, she's oh, wearing makeup. Oh, <laughs> she's wearing makeup because she wants guys to to want to have sex with her. Like, no, maybe she just likes the way she looks in makeup. Not everything that women do is, is oriented for male attra- attraction. But you can tell he plays into that by assuming that everything girls do is, you know, to make men want them. And it's just like that was probably the most problematic thing <laughs> in the book for yeah. me I, I i do remember the encounter with them and this is kind of where like again it's like dude you know he hasn't even he doesn't even know what color her panties are Ooh, it's like, yeah. are we did we go back in time to six yeah yeah like, dude if you want if you want that shag fest you know a, I do not want anyone to have the mental image I have now of the ogre viciously <laughs> railing a centaur lady. But now we all have to share it. But it's like, look, dude, pick. Hey, centaurs want love too. Centaurs are allowed to have love. I'm just saying I don't think all of us want their mental image. It's a little little on the border of bestiality, I agree. <laughs> well, yeah, centaurs are. But look, let's not get into centaur mythology because <laughs> centaur mythology is... It's not. Where does the ba- where is the baby? Is the baby in the horse stomach or in the <laughs> human stomach? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yes, please let's move let's move away from centaurs because you know their 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 mythology is nasty. Um, but it is one of those things, and it's like, dude, 
you you could you can choose to have silly humor. Silly humor is fine. I love silly humor. I have children, therefore you know, silly humor is going to be with me. Yeah, or and you, you can, can have, have you can have silly humor in an adult book, but you should not have adult content in a children's book. Exactly. So, um, and it's and, I mean, and you know, and it's not that I just want to clarify. It's not that I don't think I'm actually of the opinion that we should have sexual education a lot earlier before it's like the middle of hormones. But there's a time and a place for it. You don't like dance around the idea of sex with children. You either tell them explicitly what it is, and you know, let them figure out what it is. Or you keep it out entirely. I don't think you make a game from it because that's just confusing to kids. That's that's mm. what's shaping their ideas of how to treat. You know, like we we're like I was just saying, like they have mention of rape, and then it's all these silly puns, like the same page, and it's just like it, it devalues the importance of consent and everything like that by making it into this joke. In my opinion, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a traumatic way of starting a book, and it's like it doesn't rescue itself it's like dude there's another um series i read oh man it's it's a it's it's a fantasy series that reveals itself to be post-apocalyptic but it starts with the main character engaged in rape and it's like wow but the main character is painted as an asshole Mm -hmm. and it's like this is a powerful way of setting up this person is terrible, and I'm not really ready. And I, and I can't remember the name of the series or the book, <laughs> and I don't know if it's worth me trying to Wikipedia it. But it made an impression on you. Obviously. It made an impression on me straight up. But here's the thing: the author kept the tone, mm-hmm. and you know immediately you either want to read this book or you don't. And I yeah. thought, you know what? I'll give this a few more pages to see how this goes. And it ended up being, it ended up being an okay couple of books to get through because I have a commute. I <laughs> read. Yeah. All right, I got time. You don't have but to qualify. It's... I mean, well, and that's, I mean, this just makes me think of a lot of the uh, critiques I see. Um, I mean, this comes up a lot in my videos or whatever. It's like, oh, feminists want to make it, you know, against the law to mention rape in books or whatever. Like, no, it, it, not that. Just make sure that the the matter, that the tone matches the description. You mm. know, like you just said, if it's going to, if the guy's going to be raping someone, don't treat it like it's a joke. Don't treat it like it's a kid's book. It, it sets the tone for the book. So. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like um, Eric the Viking. Mm-hmm. Um there's a very obscure reference that I don't know if everyone <laughs> will bother getting involved with, but it starts in a very similar way where the main character is like advancing upon a woman. And then he's like, you know what? I don't want to do this. Well, that's good. And that's, a, that's different. <laughs> yeah. He's like, actually this, this isn't, this isn't what people should do. Is it? Well, now I'm no, interested in reading no, it. That's, that's not. And and there is an accident, and a guy comes in and and attempts to do that, and the guy ends up the the main character Eric. And sorry for spoiling a movie that's probably like thirty <laughs> years old or so. Statute of limitations. Um, <laughs> Game of Thrones? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, I read the books, and I didn't want to read and watch the series. I thought, no. Oh, that's it. my husband's the same way. So. <laughs> um, but anyway, he he ends up killing her would-be rapist and unfortunately accidentally killing her as well because he has a sword and (laughs) he's not great at it. And his whole life is like redeeming himself. Mm. So that's actually really interesting. 
And when he meets her in Valhalla, she's like, you knew me for two minutes. Go away. Piss off. <laughs> that sounds really... So, you know, that, that sounds really interesting. And as you were describing that, I was thinking of another book that... I actually gave up on and then I started watching the series and I, I'm glad that I tried the series because it's uh, Outlander and minor spoiler, I mean, it's like one or two chapters into the first book. One of the characters basically steals a kiss from her and almost rapes her. And the way the book was proceeding, I thought he was supposed to be the hero. And I was like, nope, I'm not going to read this. And then I found out he's actually a bad guy. But I'm just so used to media treating uh, you know having a character rape or almost rape a woman and it's just like oh he's an asshole oh well like it's not even he's still considered the 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 hero of the book that i just assumed it was going that way and so you know when he turns out to be a bad guy i was like oh thank god like (laughs) i can't stand when they treat him as a hero bad guy thank goodness (laughs) you know you laugh but exactly you laugh but that's just such a just such an accepted joke is such an accepted you know thing like it's not really treated as a rape you know as long as she's not kicking and screaming and being held down it's not rape you know even if she's like you know forced to live with him and has no method of escape it's not rape as long as she's not screaming like yeah yeah there's (laughs) i mean it's kind of funny that we're reminding each other about the books because i started to read Robert Heinlein's Friday. Okay. Um, which the dedication is to um, Ursula Le Guin and a few other w- women science fiction writers. Um, Robert Heinlein's the guy that wrote Starship Troopers. Oh, um, that's a that's a complicated book. <laughs> wait, wait till I get to Friday. Then, <laughs> trust me, man, you're, you're going to be like, oh, God in heaven. Why, Zugai, did you even mention this thing? It's like, look... The book begins with a multiple rape happening to the main, I'm going to say female character because she's an artificial, genetically engineered life form. Okay. So I'm not sure if woman or female there is, yeah. <laughs> Look, I, you know what, I'm going to go with woman and give her humanity because it's good that someone does. Yeah, it is frustrating um, that the English language doesn't really have a gender neutral, non-insulting word because I'm sure there's a lot of people that would like to have one. Human. <laughs> um... Thank you, Ferengi. Um, <laughs> it starts, it opens with her rape. Throughout the book, she shags men and women. And it's like, okay, good for you. You know, that's, that's great. You know, you know, future, everyone's a swinger. Everyone's into everything. Okay. You know, if you really think the future's going that way, Robert, then fine. Um, and I didn't finish the book mm. because I, you know, it wasn't that well written. I thought, I thought Starship Troopers is actually not, is actually, or the moon is a harsh mistress. They are books that it's worth to get through because there's stuff to get out of them, even if it's avoid this. Mm-hmm. This I didn't get through, but I read a summary, and the thing that I read that made me think, "Yep, I don't need to ever read that again," <laughs> was in the end she marries one of her rapists, and it's like, "Oh God, yep." And apparently, he wrote this as. I don't know if it was a joke or if it was a way of him saying to a bunch of women writers, excuse me, this is men's territory, piss right off. Wow. But it's, again, it's like, you know, part of me was hesitant to mention it because it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to give potentially terrible, I don't think anyone (laughs) terrible will listen to this. 
Um, if you are terrible, stop listening. Don't, <laughs> don't even start. Um, well, if someone's terrible, I don't think anything they hear on a podcast is going to stop them from being terrible. At least not just one well, podcast. Maybe hope, they have a hopefully we can turn this ship. Yeah. But well, and that's why like, I was saying pointing stuff like this out that's just been unquestioned because how are people going to mm. realize, you know, hey, maybe this isn't a great thing to be teaching our kids unless we talk about it. So Yeah. I think we do need to bring up certain things. It's like, dude, that's really not necessary. If you want to tell someone to piss off... Write them a letter. Yeah. Do such and such. Procreate elsewhere. That's with yourself. A, yeah. I mean, he is a writer Thanks. without going into a huge tangent, but that's what's so interesting about Starship Troopers. And it's been a while since I read it, but there's so much conversation with people that read it who are trying to guess the intent. You know, some people interpret it as straight up propaganda. Other people say, no, it's it's making fun of propaganda. You know, it's, it's, it's highlighting mm. the absurdity. And I mean, I guess that could be considered a sign of good writing and that it leaves room up for interpretation but then again sometimes people just attribute meaning where there really isn't any um and you know you mentioned like she was she was getting raped and then she goes and sleeps with everyone and that's like that's a stereotype that i mean so i used to listen to this radio show called love line and I, now I'm like, oh, God, what was I doing? But, you know, they have Dr. Two on there. We all did, my friend. We all <laughs> did. And any time a woman would call in and talk about, you know, like, oh, I'm afraid of commitment or, you know, I just want to sleep with guys or whatever like that, Dr. Drew would say, were you molested as a kid? And almost 100% of the time they'd say, yeah. And I, I, I almost wonder if it's like a chicken or the egg thing. Is it that... Being, you know, being molested or being raped as a child makes you promiscuous? Or is it just that society says that's what you're supposed to do now? Like, you're ruined, so you might as well sleep with people. But if we changed our attitude, you know, less victim blaming, more let's blame the actual rapist, maybe, you know, we wouldn't have this this self-fulfilling prophecy of, okay, you were raped, so you, you're going to want to sleep with everybody now because you were raped. Like, it's, again, that's that's why I think we need to talk about this and uh, something that, you know, I mentioned in my videos a lot is a lot of the stuff that people think just is a fact, you know, it's it's not necessarily a fact. It's just the way that we set ourselves up by telling ourselves if this happens, then this you're going to turn out like that. You know, if you treat rape as a joke, then, you know, you're more likely to un unaware, you know, without awareness, um, not necessarily, you know, hold someone kicking and screaming rape kind of thing, but, you know, like take advantage of a drunk girl or something like that. Like if you don't have the conversation that that's really not okay, then you're just going to do it and not really understand why it's a problem. And so tying it back into the book, you know, when we have stuff, especially marketed towards children, we have to make sure what we are telling them is okay behavior. If something is illustrating bad behavior, make sure that there's repercussions in the book for it. You know, I mean, I guess if you really want to reach, you could say the fact that Smash takes the demon out in the end proves that it's a bad thing. But I mean, I feel like that's kind of reaching, to be honest. Yeah, I... Yeah, look. Sorry, that was kind of a tangent. <laughs> no, 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 no. Look, it is a. Here's the thing: telling telling guys, hey, guess what? Raping. You shouldn't do it. Um, part of me would like to think it's not something we should have to tell young men. Right. Well, and that's why you have to get into the 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 shades of consent. You know, reshape the idea that rape is only unconscious behind a dumpster you know taking a woman when she's 
super, I mean, if you're, I don't want to get super into this, but you know, like even when someone is super drunk and you're super drunk or whatever, neither of you should be having sex at that point, you know, wait yeah, until you're I, actually. I, I've never been super drunk, so I'm. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> um, but yeah. it's, it's a worthwhile thing for other people to hear. Yeah. <laughs> like, I remember um, a friend of mine, um, she lives in England now, and she posted on Facebook this link to this British police department doing the most British thing possible and discussing consent as if it was a cup of tea. <laughs> okay. If someone comes around to your house and you offer them a cup of tea and they say yes... Well, you can enjoy a cup of tea with them. If you... If oh, yeah, yeah, I heard of this. If they're yeah, at your sorry, house and they say, actually, no thanks, I don't want a cup of tea, well, then don't try to give them a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Even right? if you think it's the best tea ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that's the thing. Like, it, it almost says exactly that. Like, it's like, yeah. even if it's really good tea and you, you've been, you know, you, you're, you're, you're anticipating giving them this tea, they've said, no, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Or if you've got a friend around and... And you go to make them a cup of tea and they're falling asleep. Don't give them the cup of tea. <laughs> See, that's actually, that's really clever because it, it de, I don't want to say destigmatizes, but it kind of changes the language so that hopefully people are going to be a little less defensive talking about it. Of course, you know, it, it, you do have to have some level of intellect to make the equation between tea and, and sexual activity, but I don't know. It, it's frustrating because I feel like the people that really need to hear those messages are going to tell themselves, well, I would never rape, so I don't need to pay any attention to this. And so hopefully by redirecting it, it makes them a little more keen to understand, but I, I don't have a very high opinion of uh, changing people's minds. <laughs> I'm, I'm also not sure how well that would play in America, given that I don't know if America has the same team. that. <laughs> Among Britain hipsters, yes, but... <laughs> well, okay, quick question for you, Cleo. Mm-hmm. Do you have an electric kettle? I do, but we only got it like a few months ago. And we fallen okay. in love with it, but yeah. Okay. It was amazing in... when we got it. <laughs> yes. In my household, I not only have an electric kettle, I have an electric kettle that I can set the temperature on. Oh, yeah. There's is like that, too. It's funny because we actually, I'm, like, having difficulties with my husband about that because I like to turn it all the way up, and he only likes it just tepid. I'm like, what's the point of that? <laughs> I'm coming down on your side of the fence. <laughs> Look, green tea and black tea, different temperatures. Right. Simple. Rubos. It actually can go either way. That, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. But, you know, I know. I, I do need tea. to. Well, it's funny because tea is, is getting more popular, and there's actually, like, Especially in Portland, you know, where I live now, there's a lot of uh, hipsters who are very, like, tea connoisseurs and they'll spend, you know, hundreds of dollars on a super rare tea. Whereas I'm like, I have a hard time spending hundreds of dollars on consumable items, period. I figure yeah. it's you, you, we, we, we don't have our webcams on because, like I said, I started recording at 5 in the morning, so I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a state. But you, you couldn't see me roll my eyes so hard. I mean, look, I like nice tea, but I'm not spending hundreds of dollars yeah, that's um, the 1% kind of thing. Anyway, tea is well, nice. Well, what I'd love but, to do uh... is, you know, the last question I always have, mm-hmm. I, think we've, I think we've covered all the questions, but, you know, are there simple books you would recommend to if people like this? If people like this, I'd say, look, I don't know if I can be your friend. Um, <laughs> well, it depends like, why they like it, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I could understand if you are already – 
of the mindset where you know like you just you've been raised in the culture where rape is just sort of haha like it's not it's just a not ugh, again not like the act of rape but references like there are in this book how you sort of just glaze over it sort of like how you mentioned describing female characters you sort of glaze over it i can see liking the book if you glaze over that awareness that you know i have and in that sense again like you said terry pratchett i feel like does a much better job of this kind of thought of you know puns and 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 children but it's still entertaining it's also just better written books there's more of a point it's not just meandering around um but yeah if you like the book and you like the random mentions of of adult content i don't really i can't think of any good books that do that yeah i was, I was gonna say look i was gonna say look dude if, if you like this you know you should read terry pratchett he's mm-hmm. awesome you know, you, you're going to, and I mean, I'd potentially recommend Terry Pratchett to somebody like these books to say, look, get into something good. Mm-hmm. You know, I would um, say the the Dragonlance books are, I mean, it's it, it depends on which ones. I mean, there's so many out there, but I remember really, it's funny because when they were first popular, I, for some reason, had this like loyalist feelings towards Xanth where I was like, oh, the Dragonlance books suck and I had never actually read one. <laughs> And then, like, years later, I finally started reading them, and I feel like they are a little bit more adult as far as, like, for instance, the main character is a lot less likable, but at the same time, you know, outcasts like us, I I actually like characters that are unlikable a little bit more than ones that everybody... I don't like Mary Sue's. I don't like ones that everyone likes for no real reason. Um, So I feel like Dragonlance is a slightly more, more adult take on the fantasy thing, but it's still not you know, full of... It's not, it's not perfect. Like, I remember, yeah. um, I, like, the R.A. Salvatore Dutiste novels. Yeah, he's he's a good writer, too. They're good. The only annoying thing is when he does something silly yeah. in those books, that's totally as... Like, oh, yeah, it just, it's Come very on, awkward. <laughs> Look, I don't care He doesn't that, know... He's know, like a bad DJ. He doesn't know how to switch songs. <laughs> Exactly. It's like, look, dude, go read Terry Pratchett. Like, again, you know, maintain, either maintain a comic thing, mm-hmm. like every other Dungeons and Dragons game I've ever been in now has. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or just don't tell me about the fact that this guy's got a horse that's half frog and, oh my God, isn't that zany? It's like, no, I don't yeah. give a shit. Give me a <laughs> It'll be fun. <laughs> I like how we just accept fantasy, like, you know, oh, well, a hippogriff, that totally makes sense, but half frog, half horse, what? <laughs> I, I think I think it's the delivery. But, you yeah, know. no, it is. And I mean, that's something that's always been really interesting with, with fantasy with me. I mean, I used to write a lot of creative stuff. I never really tried to get any of it published, but the thing that was most fun for me was world building and thinking about, like, how would this kind of creature reproduce and, you know, what would they eat and stuff like that. And so I feel like that's kind of a wasted opportunity when you just make up a creature that makes no sense unless your premise is, well, it's magic, so it can do anything, which I feel like is a cop-out. Yeah. But I remember um, <laughs> reading a thing about Terry Pratchett and the way he put the disc world together. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, look, most people, when they make a world, they start top up. You know, they start with a king or, you know, he's the emperor and he's the hierarchy and goes down and goes... I actually started from the bottom up and said, all right, where do people get their drinking water and where do they go mm-hmm. to the bathroom? Um, that's interesting. And that's the River Ank. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, I, again, like, I, I'm going to keep coming back to this as, as dull as it is. <laughs> You're the making me want to reread those books so badly. <laughs> the, man, the man wrote strong 
woman characters, like Granny Weatherwax. Mm-hmm. She was awesome. Yeah, women that had, you know, some inherent value besides their fuckability. Like, <laughs> Well, that's the thing. Like, Granny Weatherwax was... You, you don't know where she came down on that. Mm-hmm. Like, to a degree, even... She, she could potentially even be, like, considered asexual. Mm-hmm. Like, she had friends, both male and female. Um, she had an understanding of what sex is, but she never really showed any interest in it. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying is, like, she had other, you know, she was she had other things that she was interested in, which, unfortunately, is something that a lot of female characters in media, throughout media, are not allowed. I mean, you know, the, the Bechdel test, for instance, do two... Do, are there two women characters in the media who have a conversation that isn't about men? And it's definitely not a perfect test, and yet, nonetheless almost every movie fails it. And it's just the idea of women having, you know, careers or, you know, whatever, something that doesn't have to do with having sex with somebody, like, is is still considered such a rare thing that it really sticks out when you have it. And so hopefully as people become more aware of it, we'll have more, more offerings. Yeah. But, but also, <laughs> like, you don't really know what Granny Weatherwax really looks like. Like, he doesn't mm-hmm. go into any details of unlike peers <laughs> yeah like he says she's handsome you know you, a good-natured liar would call her good looking you know it's like okay like i understand what you mean mm-hmm. and i understand why that is one of the only lines we ever have about what she really looks like other than her eye color or that she's got good skin mm-hmm. or her nails are really good like her foot nails sorry are really good and yeah like, okay <laughs> but more, um, like more what we know about Granny is, A, do not ever annoy that lady. But B, <laughs> she is just and merciful. Mm-hmm. She is extremely She's a good character strong. in the sense of a good person. Yeah. Not good but, as but it also, benefits me. She's not a Mary Sue in that she knows she's not the smartest person about. Mm-hmm. But she's certainly one of the wisest and cunning people about. Mm-hmm. Like she's, well, you know, she's she's a great female character. She's a great woman character. But now yeah, she's a know, great woman you... character too, and she's completely different. Yeah, yeah. The, Nanny the depth Og of characters. Like, sorry, I I like Nanny Old because she was so much fun, <laughs> and and she was very sexual. Like it it goes into her storied sexual yeah. past. Yeah, I, I wanted to to mention like I'm not saying that characters can't be sexy it's just when that's every single woman character in your story is judged based on her how sexy she is that's when it's a problem you know let it be part of their character not their entire character and i wanted to throw in another recommendation um so talking about describing characters one book it's so i actually know it as a trio for loot which is actually the name of they they put the three books together and so I don't remember what the name of the actual books are, but just if you look up Trio for Loot, that's that's how you find it. And one thing that I really liked about this series is that rather than just introduce a character and immediately say everything that, you know, how they look immediately, it reveals bits and pieces throughout the book. Like, you know, on page 50, you find out he has black hair. And then on page 200, you find out he has a scar on his knee or like whatever. Like, it's not all just information dump when you first introduce a character. And I thought that that was a really good 
method of describing a character because, you know, you'll say the the parts that are really going to stick out. Like if someone has one eye, you're going to probably notice that right away, but you won't necessarily notice all these details. And also the fact that they really reveal it over time lets you really internalize it as you're forming this idea of this character. And he also does it for every character in the book. I mean, one of the main characters is a talking pug and like you, you become really attached to this little this little pug because it's such a, a fleshed out character in this book. So mm. I, I definitely recommend that. Um, have you have you read any of um, uh, Haruki Murakami's work? Haruki Murakami? Yeah. No, I can think of a Murakami, but the only one I'm thinking of is um, is uh, Rama one half. Is are they a, a writer or a comic artist? Sorry, I've sorry, I probably. Oh, gosh, give me a second. I need, I need to look at the guy's actual first name now. Sorry, Haruki. Yeah, Haruki Murakami. Okay, no, um, I haven't. Yeah, he's a Japanese writer. He wrote 19Q4. He wrote Alice in Wonderland and the something, something. Again, okay. people, it's now 10 past six. Josh is not really <laughs> awake yet. Um, but the way he describes that there is a, a book in where... He describes a um, uh, a woman character, and there's this kind of wonderful, very, very Japanese art style where it's broad stroke. I love to call it broad strokes. Fill it in, folks. <laughs> in that he gives that's this a good way broad, of putting it. <laughs> broad stroke of like, okay, here's a basic description, or here's like, here are the strong lines. To describe the character, it's your job to fill in the little details. I'm not going to describe her nose or eyes, but I'm going to give an overall picture, and and it's your job to kind of get into it. But there's this... It's the Alice in Wonderland book that he wrote, and he describes this young lady with a few sentences. And yes, it is describing her in a way where where figure and bottom come into it. Um... But she is revealed further on and further on to have more character. It's like, okay, you get this overall, you get this overarching view at the start. And then he slowly starts to develop a character within that. It's almost... In some yeah, ways that sounds kind of a lot like the, the book that I was talking about. Yeah, so. it's, it's, it's actually quite, quite poignant in some ways where little things reveal a lot. Yeah. Um, I feel like the description that happens so often with the male gaze where, you know, it's like describe focusing so much on how pretty she is and how big her boobs are or whatever. I again, it could be chicken and egg, but it feels like kind of a demonstration of the, the stereotypes about guys in general that, you know, when a guy meets a woman, of course, the first thing he notices is how big her boobs are. And I mean, that's that's a generalization. I'm sure there's plenty of guys that are not like that, but that's the accepted view of the male mindset is oh yeah of course he's going to notice her boobs first but i mean like you can fight against that you don't have to do that in the book <laughs> is it really important to the characters is a question that i think needs to be asked a lot more often and i, and I think the follow-up question is if it is really important to the character um why yeah why can you maybe rework the character a little bit yeah, where yeah, why, you why know her worth is not based on how buxom she is. <laughs> why is he all about the tits? You know, what's yeah. his business? 
Especially when Julie's... it's like playing with the like the schoolgirl thing. It's like really, you know, you're describing this character yeah, as like a kid. Are you sure you want to? It wanna... was an uncomfortable book to get through. Yeah, because <laughs> like also, I mean, like the the centaur girl character. Mm-hmm. She was presented as kind of like the adorable nerd girl character, mm-hmm. and. I really did not want her sexualized. It's like, Piers, come on, man, don't, don't, don't do this. <laughs> and to his credit, he did not that I can recall. Again. Yeah, not as much could... as he could have. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I was waiting for her to take the glasses off and shake out her mane, and suddenly, oh, my God, she's hideous. She's wonderfully attractive. Maybe that's in a future book. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's one of those things where it's like, dude, like, in all honesty, you, you can do better than this. I'm sure yeah. you can do better than this. Yeah. I mean, that's something I, I don't want to, you know, I know we're wrapping up soon, so I don't want to go into a huge thing, but that's something I deal with all the time um, in my, in the responses to the, my videos, you know, because like I mentioned, I'm a huge nerd and, you know, I want to do more like game reviews and stuff like that. But I constantly get these comments where guys are telling me I'm sexy because I'm interested in this stuff. And it kind of goes back to the not everything women do is is to try to get male attention. Like I used to get so many accusations back in the day that I was pretending to like video games to attract men. It was just like, what? And as far as it goes in the the writing, you know, it's like they have these little affectations like, oh, she wear glasses or whatever. But it's like, how does that affect? you know, how does that affect her overall attractiveness instead of just she wears glasses because she can't see without them. <laughs> and it's just, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's really, that, that is That is a legitimate reason to wear glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I so mean, I got LASIK five I, I rec- years ago. I've but. recommended a bunch of things. You recommended um, Trio for Loot. Yeah. Um, and that's Loot as in the musical Yeah, instrument. here, I'll, I'll look it up really quick. I, I, I had a bit of a look. Trio for Loot by R.A. McAvoy, is it? Yes, yes, that's it. Um, really good. Yeah, like I was saying, the Trio for Loot is actually, it's it's three books in one. It's just, for some reason, I have a hard time remembering uh, what it's described otherwise. Um, and I that's a book that I love so much that I bought it like four times because I would lend it out to people and then never get it back. And then I would be talking to somebody else and I'd be like, well, I really want you to read this book. So I'd buy it and lend it to them and not get that copy back either. That's that's a sign of a good book and a good friend. But did you talk to these people afterwards? No, they were always people I fell out of contact with. But, you know, I mean, hopefully as long as they read the book, I think it's worth it because I only spent like a few bucks each time. So, you know, if it was a book that was like a hundred bucks to buy, I'd probably, you know, be knocking on the door a little bit more. But and that's, you know, so we have a lot of stuff. And my dad actually, he's a writer, too. He does more historical stuff than um, fiction. But I always grew up with just bookshelves just covered in research materials and fantasy novels and stuff like that. And I still have quite a few books myself. Most of mine is actually manga. Um, but I, my mom is very kind of burn everything to the ground about stuff. She wants to get rid of all of it. And I'm just like, no, partially because I still like to pick a book up and reread it. I mean, I did that with Ogre Ogre. I still had the book. And then part of it is because as my kids get older, I want to, I want to surround them 
with books. I want to surround them with good books. I also want to surround them with bad books so we can talk about why it's bad. And I feel like there's just an accessibility of surrounding yourself with book. But at the same time, I understand that, you know, people have limited space. And so that's why I'm I'm getting more into digital books. I think it's crazy that they charge so much for a digital file. But <laughs> yeah, I, I have objections where if I've got a physical copy of the book, do, do not necessarily expect me to um, pony up a lot of money for a digital copy of a book where you've already got my money before. <laughs> well, it's um, just a, they're not spending any money on materials or anything. So it's like, I, I don't understand what they still, uh, same thing with like audiobooks. Like there's audiobooks out there that are like $40, $50. I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> in, the case of an, in the case of an audiobook, I can kind of understand it in that a good voice actor. Yeah. Like, um, oh, that's another book. Ah, His Dark Materials. Sorry. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> oh, the Philip Pullman. Yeah, which they're I finally doing a new movie about. So. That's it. Well, they did a movie about it. The Golden No, Box. they have a terrible movie about it. They're going to make a new one where they're actually supposed to um, match the tone and the, the feeling. Well, that's, and I mean, that's a whole other thing, but that's that's a good example of like, there's adult concepts behind it. That's I mean, the reason. That's probably my problem with that book because I saw the movie. Yeah, and the I movie was like Narnia. It's great. They basically Disneyfied, the yeah, and it ruined it for me. They Disneyfied the movie, basically. So the books are sort of a reflection, or sort of a critique of religious fanaticism. And I mean, it's been a while since I read it, so I can't go into detail. But they, when they made the movie, they just took all that out. They just treated it as a blasé fantasy, and it was just like all the stuff that actually made it kind of interesting compared to a lot of other fantasy, they just scrubbed out. And so that's part of why the book was, or the movie was such a failure is it's just, it was just sort of generic fantasy. So, Although that being said, um, what, what's the cowboy guy's name? Oh, it's been a long time since I read it. No, the, the, the actor, not the cowboy. Uh, <laughs> he was in the big Lebowski. Jeff Bridges. <laughs> not Jeff Bridges. No, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> Give me a second. That piece all, I, all I'm thinking of is the scene in the movie when the polar Sam, bear's jaw gets knocked off. Sam Elliott. That's the guy oh, I'm thinking Oh, yeah. About. Yeah. I like him in everything that I've seen him in, which isn't many yeah, there's good. there's good scenes in the movie, for sure. It's just as, as it relates to an adaptation of the book, they left out basically what made the book interesting is what yeah. I think. But anyway, and, that's and also, I kind of wish I could grow a mustache like that man, but my wife <laughs> said no. And I agree with her. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It, it seems itchy to me. Um, all right. Well, let's. I, I this is I really fun, is. but I think I got to put my toddler down for a nap. So, um, yeah. I, I do you. What do you recommend the book? I don't know if you ever actually. You said it, you don't think you could be friends if they recommend the book. So, what I, would a similar book? We be? can be friends. We okay. can be friends. We can definitely <laughs> be friends. So, did, did, I should have put that caveat in there well at the beginning. Uh, just can't be book reading friends. <laughs> well, we we can be. We're just going to pick different books. Is there uh, is there any book out there that you really want to talk about that I should uh, try to read? Um, or is this too early in the morning you're, you're to ask this? Patches, so you know you're you're ahead of the game there. You know you're doing you're doing all right. Well, I actually just um, bought the book from the Mist game because I was I was watching a let's play of that and they made a book based off the game and I was like oh, this is interesting so <laughs> I don't know I mean specifically on this I'd say look go read everything Terry Pratchett wrote a it'll take you a while <laughs> um, and, and and b you'll you'll have a good time 
Right. So I, I'd be I'd be hoping that's the kind of thing I could, if I could point people towards. I mean, I'm I'm reading very boring books at the moment. Yeah. Um, outside of what I'm doing for this, like I um, to, to kind of give people a bit of a spoiler into what's coming up. My younger brother and I at some point are going to have a conversation about the El Chapo Manifest and Guide to Revolution. Oh, that's that sounds. Be fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, You're telling me about that. Um, yeah. Oh, the the thing I wanted to throw in the why I thought of his dark materials is you were talking about voice casts behind audiobooks, and that's what made me fall in love with that. Is I used to have a data entry job, and I would listen to books on tape all day, and there was a full cast reading oh, of that series dream. where they have different actors for each character, mm. and it was amazing. It set the gold standard as far as audiobooks for well, me. There's a, um, a lady by the name of Lisa Lee, and okay. she is on the How We Roll podcast which is a Dungeons and Dragons Call of Cthulhu thing. And she's a voice actor. And she does, you know, she's done some video game stuff. She's done some audiobook stuff. And it's a thing where it's like, look, if you've got someone really good, mm-hmm. or if you've got a few people really good at what they do, that is a professional grade podcast. And yeah, look, that's probably worth paying money for if they're really that good and the mm-hmm. level of production is there but the when they just have the there. author of the book be like and then he entered the building like <laughs> yeah then look dude that's not worth the 15 bucks and look i yeah. live in australia as well so everything's stupidly expensive <laughs> um but but to give it that wrap up um cleo i do want to say thank you for, for spending this time with me i know with two children especially at that age <laughs> it, it is very very difficult Actually, um, yeah, it's been a lot easier than I thought it would be. So originally the plan was my husband, I was going to take have him take him to the park or something, but he had to work today. So, um, and yeah, I wanted to say if anyone, you know, I keep mentioning my videos or whatever, um, I do want to plug out there that I am really trying to make it more, you know, more interesting, more professional and everything like that. And I am always looking for people who are passionate about something that want to do a video or I actually want to start a podcast audio only podcast as well although not anytime soon um that might want to do a video with me you know please uh I'm sure you'll put my my links up there but it's basically just toplesstopics.org um and it doesn't have to be related to um you know topless equality or feminism or politics or whatever like I, I I you know someone who's a writer or whatever like whatever it is I'm just trying to like showcase people who have something that they're passionate about so if you listen to this and you have a, a, a passion or a job or something like that that you could be interesting to talk about, please reach out to me and let me know. <laughs> and, and people should because I, I remember we met on Twitter because I, mm-hmm. I made a joke about something, which sounds like something I would do. <laughs> I'm very easily bored, and I remember, you, and I remember very specifically you said your two-year-old enjoyed raisins, and. I do remember, like, you know, Twitter blocked the content. Right. I was like, I'm really sorry, but I don't know what that was. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought, you know what, it, 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 it's those little interactions that we're sometimes lucky enough to come across where we mm-hmm. meet someone who is a good, wonderful, and enjoyable person to talk to and to get to know and to say, hi, look, please, I'd love to have a long, good conversation with you. And I want to clarify that the blocked content was literally just a picture of my child. It's yeah, Twitter yeah, 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 yeah. has yeah. blocked everything that I posted as adult content for over years because I had people who didn't like my political opinion report all my content. So Twitter's like, okay, everything you post is is adult content. So I, it, it's just it's just that's the absurdity is you know it made it luckily 
you you know you and I had an exchange and you understood oh that's not actually what she's posting but like that's the absurdity it was a picture of my kid like smiling and Twitter was like this is adult content so thank you for clicking past well, you, that you do have to be an adult <laughs> to understand a child's joy <laughs> yeah truly you have to you have to be there to know what it's like <laughs> cool Cleo um again thank you very much for your time I I know it hasn't been easy um and at, at some point I would love to have you back if that's ever a thing that could happen oh yeah I would love to thank you so much for having me okay <laughs> that's and it I'm just keep um, saying please goodbye please go check out uh, um Cleo can be found on on Twitter at topless topics isn't it Yep, everything's just topless topics, and it's nothing Good. pornographic. Just just go watch it and watch my intro video, and you can understand what it is. Just understand, yes, you can see my, oh my god, you can see female nipples on it, but there's nothing sexual about it. It's not profane at all. So that's the whole point, actually. So, <laughs> And um, people listening to this, please feel free to give us a, a lovely five-star review or something on iTunes when this is published, which will probably be in a couple of weeks or so when Josh has his shit together. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll download iTunes just to give you a five star, even though I don't like Apple products. 